Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. This is Robert Flashman, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Hey, guys, before we get into the episode, I want to let you know that Robert Fleischman, who is today's guest, amazing songwriter and vocalist, is going to be appearing at a breast cancer research uh, event for charity. And it's going to be on February 19th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina at Ziggy's for Beatty's Music Garden Reunion. And he's the MC for this event, so it should be pretty cool, and it's for a great cause. So I, I highly recommend you check it out. I'm going to uh, post a link in today's show notes that will provide you with more information about this event that Robert is going to be participating in. Cool. Now into the episode. Welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast, home of all things hard rock and heavy metal. I'm Mark Striegel, host and producer of this show since 2005. Now, let's get things started with the Talking Metal theme song, written by Rob Halford, Metal Mike, and Roy Z. Hey, it's Mark Striegel of the Talking Metal Podcast, and on today's episode, the one and only Robert Fleischman, who is known for his work in a lot of different things, and we're going to talk to him about everything that he's done throughout his career. But uh, the, w- the one thing that really turned me on to this guy was his work on the Vinnie Vincent Invasion record, one of my favorite records from 1986, such a, such a great, great album. 
by the former guitarist of KISS, Vinnie Vincent, and Robert was heavily involved in that record. And as a co-host on today's episode, we have the one and only Mitch LaFon from One on One with Mitch LaFon. Hey, Mitch, how are you? Good, good. Uh, always a pleasure to chat. Uh, love doing these talk-ups with you. And of course, uh, Robert is a, is a great storyteller. I, I interviewed him back on episode 161 of One on One. So you're, you're going to love, uh, folks, you're going to love listening to what he has to say. Yeah, and you know, a lot of people don't realize how heavily involved he was with Journey writing one of their biggest songs, or at least co-writing it. Wheel, uh, Wheel in the Sky is uh, a song that he has a co-write on, and he left the band before they released it, and Steve Perry is, you know, the voice that came in and made that song song famous, but um, that that is, that is Robert's song, essentially, and uh, he is. went on to just do so much great songwriting on that first Vinnie Vincent Invasion record. Were you a fan of that record? Vinnie Vincent Invasion? No, no. Uh, you know, Vinnie writes great songs. Uh, Back on the Streets, uh, the other stuff he's done with Kiss, all great stuff, you know. But I just never liked his guitar playing. He didn't play for the song to me. It was just all over the place, like a, like a, I don't want to say a herd, but a, like bumblebees, you know, <laughs> like a, a hive of bumblebees that falls to the ground and they all go flying around like crazy i yeah i I don't like that album yeah i was a a big fan of the songwriting on on the record i mean the guitar playing it is rather ridiculous and there had been rumors back in the day that that vinnie had sped up the tape on that on that record and we're actually gonna ask robert about that in the interview and we'll we'll see what he has to say about that but i i thought the songs were really great and I, i again i'm just a big fan of robert's voice and just loved, loved that record. I remember at one of the local record stores in my area, they gave away a free pink single, which had Boys Are Gonna Rock on it. And uh, it was free at the record store. And I, I still have that somewhere. And I just loved that so much that I was there the first day it came out to to buy the the uh, the full record, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion. And side one on that record, I just thought was just just great from start to finish and side two was good too side two had back on the streets and uh, i want to be your victim which i I like those two songs quite a quite a lot do you want to make love uh actually i I take it back i really like side two too so uh anyways without 30 years 30 years the album yeah isn't that crazy yeah 30 30 years old and uh wow one of my (laughs) it's a classic for me i know you don't you're you're so so on it but uh it's a classic for me so it's it's an honor to talk to robert about that record and many other things so without further ado let's get into the interview that i conducted just recently with with robert and then we're going to come back and talk some more with mitch lafon
Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and we are very honored because on the line we have the legendary vocalist and songwriter, Robert Fleischman. How are you doing tonight, Robert? Fine, Mark. Thank you for inviting me uh, to your show. Yeah, thanks for coming on. I, as a kid, there were certain records that just meant the world to me and, and uh, really stood out from the bunch. And one of those records was the, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion, that, that first record that Vinny did after after leaving Kiss and you were just an enormous part of it and one of the things that you know just sucked me in was was your voice um so it's it's just a real honor to finally after all these years be able to to speak with you and uh, before we go back and talk about all your amazing history because there is is quite a bit of it uh, that is absolutely worth talking about I, I you know I want to talk to you about what's going on with you right now in recent years you've you've had the sky and i know you guys put out two records uh, will there be anything on the way from the sky coming out or are you working on any solo material what is robert up to now in 2016 well um i was going to have a sky album come out um this year but um i've decided not to and i'm going to do a solo album with a lot of my friends through the years that I've um, known and we've talked about doing these things like get together and play and we never did, but I'm uh, corralling a lot of my friends up and uh, going to do a um, solo album and start recording hopefully in April and May in, in Los Angeles. And um, I have my good friend Frankie Benelli from Quiet Riot playing in drums. Oh, one of my favorite um, drummers. Yeah. And amazing. Help me out. Yeah. And, um, and Dean Castanova from um, Journey. Wow. He's going to play on a track. He's in Bad English, and, too, uh, I think, right? I guess um, yeah, I he think played I'm... with Journey. All I know, and yeah. he, played with, he played with Ozzy. He played with everybody, pretty much. Cool. And um, then I'm going to have Bobby Rock, who plays with Lita Ford and played with um, on the Vinnie Vincent album. Right, right. Uh, the Invasion album. And um, then guitar-wise, I'm going to have uh, George Lynch is going to be playing on it. Wow. Uh, my friend, uh, Rusty Anderson, who plays guitar for Paul McCartney. Uh, my other friend, um, Monty Pittman, who plays uh, guitar with Madonna. And uh, what's it, Prod? Prong, Prong, Prong. Prong, yeah, yeah yes. Prong. Heavy metal. Yeah. And, he, and plus, we used to write together, and he's, he's a terrific guitar player and great person. Um and then some other guitar players that I can't say right now. I, I okay. haven't confirmed yet. And uh, bass-wise, I'm going to have Tony Franklin play. Wow, these are just well, amazing players you're mentioning. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, let me see. And uh, Chip's Enough from Enough's Enough. Love and, Chip, yeah. Uh, some other people that are going to be involved um, bass-wise. And um, some... Uh, a, a really incredible um, keyboard player will be on there that I he used to be in a band called The Nice okay <laughs> hopefully he'll come on board now how far along into it are you are you writing songs are you already tracking stuff uh, you know or... well, right now I'm um, I've I've written about 30 songs and I'm still writing and I'm going to pick the best out of them all and I'm kind of um the songs are sort of designated for certain players, and um, so I'm kind of writing in that in that uh, frame of mind. 
Wow. Okay. And so, so if you're having like a George Lynch playing a, a song that we might expect that to be like a little harder rock, maybe a heavier edge. Yeah. To it. Well, it's going to be really a hard rock, spacey, melodic, uh, interesting blend of music. I, I, I played it for a guy who's, um, representing me and, um, I, I hadn't shared any of the, the body of music to anyone and I played that to him first and he was pretty knocked out so cool I think it's going to be pretty good excellent excellent now yeah. I mean your songwriting goes back uh, a ways and one of the really greatest classic rock songs we call it classic rock now that has just just continues to live on and you know young kids love it and it's still just as vibrant and alive today as it was back when you wrote it is a song called wheel wheel in the sky and uh right by by the great band journey yeah that you were a part of by journey that you were a part of and i i kind of wanted to go back because there were others anytime i think you wrote too right you were involved in writing that one yeah and winds of march okay all for you wow wow so there's some songwriting that went on with journey and also some some performing can you can we go back uh, to journey and and talk about how you ended up in that band maybe your musical path leading up to the point where you ended up in journey uh yeah it's quite a long story <laughs> um my uh oh boy um i had a a manager his name was uh, barry fay and um he called me up uh while i was playing in a band in chicago and said that he had heard a tape of mine, and that as uh, he was interested in talking to me and uh, seeing if I'd like to sort of you know hit the big time, say. And uh, so I, um, I I went to Colorado, and I met with him, and um, I, I was there in Colorado for like about two weeks meeting with with Barry, and um, then he asked me if I'd be interested in doing a showcase for CBS Records. And I said, yeah. So I um, put together a bunch of musicians um, in Colorado. I didn't know anybody, but I had one friend who who happened to live there, and he helped me out and um, finding musicians. And uh, I assembled a, a band, and I wrote about seven songs in about in a in about a week's time. And um, then all these CBS people came to um, this uh, theater in Colorado, and I okay. performed. And um, three days later, I got a call and asked if I'd be interested uh, coming to Los Angeles, where I'm from, I'm originally from, and um, I uh, had a meeting with them, and they said they had this band called Journey, and that um, they wanted to put a lead singer in front of them. And uh, I... They said, would you be interested in going to San Francisco? And I went up to San Francisco, and um, I met with them. Uh, we talked for an hour or so, and then we had some lunch, and then we got up on stage, and we just started jamming, and we played for like about two hours or so, and it was pretty incredible um, chemistry that happened there. Wow. And um, and then I started writing songs with them, and... Uh, 
And when you say them, who who actually was in Journey at that point? Actually, obviously, Neil Sean, was Steve Smith involved in, in at that point? No, no, it was Ainsley Dunbar. Okay, right, with sure. David Bowie and, and Zappa. And, White and, Snake, uh, yeah. John Mayall and, you know, everybody in England and, and in the States. Right. He was an amazing drummer. And I loved him. He was a great guy. Um, Greg Raleigh was playing keyboards. Uh, Ross Valerie on bass and Neil Sean on um, guitar. Right. Well, they were a jazz rock fusion band for many years with, you know, 15 minute songs and everything. So, you know, me starting to write songs that were, you know, in four, four time and, and under, under four minutes or five minutes, it was kind of, you know, I sort of rearranged the furniture there, but right. it was, um, it, it was a great experience and it was, uh, you know, a learning experience for me and them, you know. So was there, a... after that, they never went back into doing, you know, such long songs. Right on. And and had they, before you joined the fold, kind of said, hey, decided that we're going to go a different direction? Or is this something that you kind of suggested to them once you were in the fold with them? Well, once I was in the in with them, I it, and I'm, a, you know, I'm a lead singer. I, I needed I needed that form, that background for for everything to work, you know, to write songs to. So they had to completely changed. I mean, it was, it was odd for me to go, Hey, Ainsley, can you, you know, play four, four now straight? Right. You know, it was, it was really hard for, it was, it was, it was a psychological um, challenge for, you know, for them. And it was for me too, because here, you know, these guys are some of the greatest musicians, you know, in, in the South Bay and, in you know, United States pretty much, you know? Sure. And here I am, you know, just fresh out of the box, just telling them, giving them direction. But, that's what happened, and uh, you know that's in history. Uh, you know, proved itself here. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And the songs that that you have a songwriting credit on again, some really big classic songs. Um, were those songs that you guys kind of came up with together, or were those ideas you brought into them? Uh, how did well, the songwriting process go? Well, for Wheel in the Sky. Um, I was be uh, I was given lyrics from everybody and asking me, can you do something with these lyrics and put them, you know, make something with them? And there was nothing that really grabbed me or you know triggered me to, to into any muse to write anything. And um, I, I felt bad saying no, I haven't done anything yet, and da 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 da. But um, Ross Valerie gave me a poem that his wife had written and there were some, I, I didn't, I didn't like the lyric. I didn't like the, uh, the, the poem, but there was the one line about wheels, wheels are, are, are turning or something like that. And right. I just adapted it to wheel in the sky keeps on turning. Right. And I, and I was with Neil and we were, I guess, I can't remember if we were in a hotel or something like that. And he had his acoustic guitar and that's how, um, we kind of wrote it. And I used that line, and then I felt, you know, like I, I satisfied everybody for, you know, taking the effort to get one of their lyrics and uh, putting it into a, a song. So I, that was that. And then uh, anytime uh, I wrote that with Greg Raleigh um, at his house, 
and um, and then after, when we were divvying up the uh, the credits for the album, uh, he told me that he had written that music with about nine other guys. Oh wow! So oh. that's when you see if you look at any time, there's all these names underneath it. It looks like you know, but it was just basically he had. He felt obligated to to uh, recognize the people that he had, um, you know, written that music for you know, with. So um, that's what happened. But I wrote the lyrics and I wrote the melody for that song. Yeah, another another and great then, tune. Um, and then uh, Neil uh, and I wrote um, "Winds of March" together. Okay, cool. And uh, he he had written some music with his dad. And uh, he gave his dad credit on on that oh, too. Okay. So there's me and Neil and uh, his dad. But um, and then there's a another song called "All for You" that I wrote with the band all together. I think, and that's on the Times Three album, right? Or CD or cassette decks or whatever you want to call it. Now, and and uh, that record that came out a lot a lot later, right? So that would that song. Wasn't yeah, really was released. Like a compilation. Okay. Thing, I think. So they just kind of had that in in the vaults, I guess. Right, right. It was a nostalgia kind of thing. But I'm glad that it got out there. And those are all demos, you know. And all the, right. it's kind of funny. Those are all demos. Right, right, and and. So you do some great songwriting with them, and you are out playing gigs with them too, correct? Yeah. Yeah, we how, did, um, yes. How long were you out playing shows with them? I think we were out for at least seven months wow. or, or, or maybe more. We um, we first started out um, from San Francisco to Texas, and we did a, a bunch of shows with Ario Speedwagon and um, did some shows with uh, Judas Priest. When um, they were, they had just come out to the states. Wow! And um, that was interesting. And so we did a whole sort of like a Texas circuit, like we did uh, Dallas and Houston and Corpus Christi and uh, and um, and where um, such other place, um, beautiful town, Austin, where they have the uh, the big festival. There. Yeah, Austin. Yeah, South Austin, by Southwest, yeah. How could I forget that? Anyway, Austin. And then we continued on towards the uh, the east. And then uh, I think we came back, and then we went to Hawaii and did uh, the Crater Festival there. And there's some video um, uh, from that show on YouTube also. I think wow. some guy just had a camera, like a camera or a video camera, and, and the sound is from the camera. So it's not off the board or anything like that. So, um, no, you said when you were after that, I think we uh, we did some shows in California. Oh no, no, no! We uh, we got on uh, board with uh, we opened up for Emerson Lake and Palmer throughout Canada. Wow, cool! Also, now you mentioned Judas Priest going out with you guys. I'm assuming they were opening for Journey, right? Um. Yeah, they were opening up, and then we played, and I think uh, Ario Speedwagon was playing, I, wow. I, if I remember right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you do you do this so was- extensive touring with them? It sounds like basically a lot of a lot of 
shows uh, sounds like some of them were pretty high profile shows uh, what what happened how 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 did you end up exiting the band um before um the way that happened was um um yeah one of the biggest gigs that we did was uh, at uh, soldier field in chicago wow and that was pretty incredible the we, stadium we yeah with, uh, we played with ted nugent um Leonard Skinner, uh, 38 Special, Cheap Trick, Journey. Um, I think that was it, I think. And at these, at, at these shows, were you already playing some of the new songs that you had, had written with yeah, the band, yeah. like Wheel uh, in the was, Sky? Yeah. Yeah, what would happen was um, they would play uh, about one or two songs, and then uh, Greg Raleigh would introduce me, and then I would come on up stage, and then all the Journey fans that were just, you know, devout, occult, <laughs> religion-style uh, fans were out there, and right. I would, they would flip me off. At the <laughs> whole front row would just have their, just give me the bird. Right. And um, so I had to go up there and hit a home run every time, you know. Yeah. And and uh, so I, we did. We opened up with "Wheel in the Sky" and "Any Time" and "Winds of March" and and a, and a couple other ones that we were doing also. And um, and then I would sing along and with other songs that Journey had done. I would do um, some songs with um, with Greg Raleigh, doubling up and stuff like that. But that's what would happen. And um, but the way it all dissipated was. Um, Herbie, uh, Herbert, their manager was, um, he wanted me to sign a deal with him and I'd have already signed a deal with, um, Barry Fay, who got me involved in it, you know, from the get go. Right. And Barry Fay was a big, um, uh, music promoter like Bill Graham, but he was based out of, um, Colorado and he pretty much did all the uh, rock and roll shows in the Midwest. Okay. If you don't know who he, he was, a very powerful person. But anyway, um, so he wanted me to dump Barry, and I couldn't dump Barry. And I just said, um, "Look, you guys have to figure out what you're going to do, and because I can't, I can't leave Barry." And and I understand where Herbie's coming from, but I, you guys have to work it out. Well, at the same time, there was a guy down in um, in L.A. that was um, an A and R guy at CBS, and he was um, do, he was funding um, Steve Perry's uh, demos. Okay. And he was really liking them, and he was bugging um, uh, what you call it, uh, Herbie, about you know trying out um, Steve. So. Um, between all the pressure between me and, and, and Herbie and my manager and all that was going on, um, Herbie just, just uh, decided that I don't, I don't have to, I don't want to have to deal with the pressure from, from Robert and I don't want to deal with the pressure from Barry. So I'm going to go with, um, Steve Perry. And, wow. um, and the, the thing was, is that, um, this guy, the A&R guy was, telling um, Herbie that if he took uh, Steve, that he would uh, give him a bigger budget, give him a good producer, give him uh, more tour money and all this in radio play. So it was sort of like, you know, the 
make them an offer you can't refuse. You know? Yeah, okay. Like mafia, <laughs> like right. Godfather kind of thing, you know? Yeah. So I understand I understand what they did, and what he did was, you know, he, he got more money and, and uh, more fuel, you know, to make it happen. So, And Herbie is a wonderful guy. I mean, I know what he had to do to make that band happen. Right. You know, he sold that band like a candy bar, man. Yeah. Right on, right on. And were you able yeah. to, did they like buy out your songwriting royalties or were you able to? Yeah, hold on yeah. To, no, they didn't buy out. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I, I have my publishing and they have their share and I have my share. We just split up everything real, right. you know, clean. Well, that's good. And uh, I'm still friends with them and always have been. Cool. And uh, I received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame with them. Very cool. And uh, so and I see them every time I, uh, you know, they come into town wherever I am. Right on. So, yeah, so there's a there's a big stretch between when when the Vinnie Vincent Invasion record came out in 1986 and and when we're talking about and you know which I think we're looking at like 1977 78 I would think is when you exited the, yeah, the journey then, fold. Yeah, after you, you so you uh, you're asking what I did after the journey. Yeah, thing? well, I know there was a solo record that that came out, right? Right, right. I did a solo album uh, for Arista Records, and uh, I, I did that with Jimmy Iovine. Right, right. Uh, he he helped produce it, and uh, Shelly Yakis, who was his engineer, and he had just gotten off the uh, project with um, working on the. Um, uh, working in some capacity on the Walls and Bridges albums album with uh, with uh, Lennon. Ah, oh, wow. wow! And he uh, had done uh, um, work with Patti Smith with uh, Here Come the Night. Right, right. Yeah. So um, yeah. So we we uh, I went to New York and uh, I made an album with him, and then after that, I um, I toured opening up for Van Halen uh, on that album. Wow, excellent. And any memories you can share of, of on being on the road with, with Eddie, Dave, and Michael and Alex? Yeah, did did um, you have much interaction with them? Yeah, I did. I, I actually had a lot of interaction with uh, Michael and, um, and Alex and uh, Eddie. But I never really, I never talked to uh, Dave. Dave was very, um, uh, let's say he was just rude to me. Really? Wow. And, uh, but Eddie and uh, the guys would uh, stand on the side of the stage and watch me do like a couple of numbers and then go back to their dressing room to get ready. And, you know, and then I would see them in the hallway and I would talk to Eddie and, you know, he was... He, he, I don't know if he was joking or whatever. You go, I wish we had you for our singer like this. Really? Going wow. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and but so I, I imagine, I guess, you know, shit was flying back then with uh, with all of them with uh, David. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And um, and that was uh, the running with the devil tour, which. Um, was what seventy seven, seventy eight, something. Well, like that. yeah, the first that was on the first, yeah, Van Halen record, which came out in seventy eight. So, uh, yeah, 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 absolutely, great stuff. And and so the solo record was out. It, we're talking like late seventies period right now. And and so in right. going into the early eighties, where did you find yourself uh, musically? Um, I ended up. 
uh, doing another record called Channel for Epic Records, and I did that one in uh, in England. And um, so, and it didn't really see the light of day because we it was stupidly handled the way um, everything was done. Like, I don't think we should have gone to England to record it. I think we should have done it in LA and saved a lot of money and everything. And because when you have uh, six people or five people in a band, you know, and you're all have to pay for hotels and food and, you know, all that stuff, it just bites into the budget. And it was just a stupid move, but it wasn't my idea to do that. It was the producer. Oh, so okay. he was one. He wanted a vacation in England on his, on our dime, basically. So, um, yeah. so I did that, and then after that, I was just really discontent with the whole circus. You know, I just didn't want to be back in a freaking band again. Yeah. So, um, I I got a uh, a gig being a um, a staff writer for Almo Irving Publishing, which was part of A and M Records. Right. Okay. Cool. So I was a staff uh, writer for them for like about three and a half years, and all I had to do is write ten songs that they liked, and uh, you know I got a check in the mail. Wow. So um, you know I lived like that for a while, and you know, and then uh, I got um, uh, a call from uh, Vinnie Vincent, and I met with him during that time during the eighties, and then uh, you know the big box of spiders opened up. Right. Now, now, when you say you had got a call from Vinnie Vincent, uh, had he known a friend of yours, or, or what was the connection there? How did how did uh, he end up calling you? Um, I, you know, uh, I was friends with Adam Mitchell. Okay. And he wrote songs with Paul Stanley. Right, all right, right. Okay, so um, I guess, uh, you know, uh, Adam is in the Kiss family there, so uh, he he met uh, Vinny, I guess, and uh, and Vinny, uh, I don't know if Vinny auditioned for them or I, I, somehow they met, right. and my name was brought up, and Vinny called me up, and I met with Vinny, and I I thought, you know, he was an incredible guitar player and singer and, and songwriter. And had and, uh, you been aware of his his work with Kiss? I mean, or, or no, not? No, no, uh, because he wasn't. He had he wasn't with Kiss then. Right. This was before Kiss. Oh, oh, okay, okay. I'm following you. All right. Yeah, wow, this is wow. before Kiss, and we were already putting stuff together. And then one day he calls me up and goes, "Hey, I got this. You know, um, Kiss asked me to be in the band. Wow. And I said, do it. You know, because yeah. he was living in this tiny little apartment. And uh, he had his wife just had twins, and you know, I said you need to, you know, get some moolah and you know, make a change for your whole family. So go for it, you know. And then a few months, you know, I don't know how long was he with them a year or, or whatever. Uh, you know, well, he he had done some some songwriting and, and studio work, uh, you know, before he was technically an official member of the band. But geez, I'd have to look. But I'm guessing it was you know two two to maybe three years tops, probably less than three years. But you know right, two two right. and a half years, yeah. Yeah. So then he, after guess all that time, uh, you know he he gave me a shout again and uh, wanted to do this thing. Right. So and so I um, so I did it with him just in because it was going to be a partnership. But he ended up making a deal with Chrysalis for himself, and 
I wasn't involved in the partnership. And um, and that's when everything got really squirrely. <laughs> okay, so so this deal for yourself or for his himself is this after you had already recorded the record? This was when we had done the demos for the record. Okay, and he played the demos for Chrysalis, and they flipped for it. Wow. Okay, and and. Uh... So you still agree, though, even though you're unhappy that he's he's done this this deal. Without yeah, some you, time you still went, and um, I just said, well, if I'm going to do this, I want this, you know. Right. And uh, and so I was given what I asked for. Okay. Cool. And you had, I think, was it two or three co-writes on the record? I, th- I think. Um... Yeah, I wrote um, I wrote Invasion, right? And I wrote uh, Do You Want to Make Love with Him? Cool. And were there other songs that you had written with him for around that time frame? Uh, yeah, there were other songs, but uh, we never got around to them. Right. And there was a song on the record I wanted to ask you about called "Back on the Streets," which is you, you, just a, a great tune, and I mean your your voice right. just sells the song. But it, it kind of had this weird kind of history in in the Kiss family. There, I remember that Ace Frehley uh, had been playing it out live, like in nineteen eighty four, eighty five, when he would, before he had released his first post Kiss record um there was a version i guess that was recorded by kiss and never never released and then well, i didn't know that yeah yeah for for the creatures of the night record there there is a vinnie has actually said and there some was some other guy did too uh some other guy did too i yeah. i think there's a lot there's like about a handful of five different versions of that isn't there i, yeah. I understand yeah yeah but i, I mean the one on the the uh, invasion record was the the uh, first I think to to come out. It was the first time I'd ever heard it. Any any stories or anything behind that specific song? Um, no, I no nothing really. You really? Know, okay, nothing uh, freaky happened. <laughs> um, I, it was, I'll tell you the first day I went to the studio. Uh, to do vocals because everything was pretty much um, all the songs were written. Uh, I mean, all the music was written with a drum machine, and then later on they they he had um, Bobby Rock overdub on the on, over the uh, over the uh, drum machine. So I had I was singing to a drum machine and uh, and the and the uh, guitars, and um, so he had a vocal booth and he and when I walked into the vocal booth for the first time he had it wallpapered inside with uh, Playboy centerfolds from <laughs> wow. floor to ceiling right <laughs> so it was kind of funny you know I go I told him it was going to take a lot more to, than that to get me off but, right um, <laughs> there you go um that was freaky and then um you know, there's always the the story about him peeing on his guitar in the studio, and I was there when that happened. And uh, what, what's the story behind that? Can you tell us that one again? <laughs> uh, he was uh, he was doing a lead solo, and he kept getting out of tune, and he was like blaming his guitar or something like that. And 
he just got so frustrated that he just slammed that guitar onto the under the hardwood floor inside the control room and just next thing you know he just fucking starts pissing on it and we're just like just like what the fuck is going on here you know yeah and uh and so you know everybody i i walked out i i just completely walked out and and but we couldn't get in that studio for like three or four days because of the fucking condensation. Wow, wow, and and it was uh, horrible. Yes, and so I then he's imagine. like telling this guy, he's telling this guy to go clean it up, and I'm just, I'm, I'm telling the guy, don't you clean it up? Yeah, I said, you just come on with me, you walk out with me, you know. And so, I, there was there was stupid stuff like that happening, you know, and. You know, so you're. But, you're, but on the other hand, yeah. on the other hand, he was he was always very generous and very nice to me, with the utmost most respect. And uh, you know, it's just it's just a shame that uh, you know his history and everybody knows it. You know, the things that he's done and and the way he is, and it's just it's just too bad because he's just such an incredible, talented guitar player. He plays heavy metal, you know, yeah, but he can play anything, jazz, right. country, whatever, you know, he's, he's amazing. And it's Absolutely. just a shame that it just disappeared. And, um, and he's just made bad choices, you know, and it's just so, it's sad. And do you have any, I mean, when's the last time you spoke with him? I mean, I know you eventually oh, circled back around. 30 right. something years. Right. Okay. Because you did at some point circle back around and do some more work with him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was just because I felt bad for the guy, you know. And if I could help him, it would help me. But the point is, it's just he, no matter what, he he, he always just sabotaged it, you know. Yeah, yeah. And you shoot yourself in the foot constantly. You know, there had been rumors about the Vinnie Vincent Invasion record and the the fact that Vinnie was playing so fast on that record. There was this one rumor that used to, you know, circulate my high school when I was a kid, and I wanted to ask you to uh, confirm or deny it. Did Vinnie slow down the tapes and then play no. as fast as he could? And then No, he no. did not. Okay, so... No. He, that is the speed that he is playing at that we're yeah. hearing on the record. Yeah, he was incredible. Right. Wow. I watched him do solos. I, you know, I suggested little melodies and solos or whatever. But he, he was his, he was the gunslinger. You know, he was the fastest draw in the West there in the room. Yeah. And had you had a plan to exit the band after the recording was done, or or when did you actually decide that hey, this isn't going to be for me um um what happened was there was this guy named who used to be a road manager for uh kiss um george george suet george suet yeah he uh he was i believe a tour manager for kiss and he went on to manage ace for a while in the 90s yeah and then he ended up doing um Vinny. Okay. And I didn't like George. And um, I, George had said that um, to Chrysalis Records that he was that he was managing me, 
and uh, at one of the um, at a meeting or something like that, George came to me actually at the photo shoot or something like that, a stupid photo shoot. Um, he came to me with a um, contract that's like, you know, two yellow pages thick and tells me to sign it. And I told him, um, I'm not going to sign it. I'm going to, I'll take it to my lawyer though. And, but no, you can't, you got to sign it right now because uh, it's, and everything's okay. It's, it's fine. So I found out that he pressured me that way was because he had told Chrysalis that he had, he had managed, he was, I was under his management and they found out that I wasn't and they right. pissed at him and they fired him. Wow. And, um, so then, um, you know, I just said, enough's enough. You know, it's just been a box of spiders from the very get go. And I just didn't want to have anything to do with it. And then, um, Chrysalis offered me a deal if I would go back and do this whole thing. And I, I said, no. And, um, and then the next time I ever had any, uh, contact with him was, uh, when, um, they played the, uh, the boys are going to rock video with, uh, Mark Slaughter's, uh, lip syncing to my voice. Yeah. Right. And, and what was that, that contact? Was you, you, huh? what was that contact? Did, were, were you upset that the fact they had him lip syncing to your voice or? <laughs> yeah. I think, wouldn't you be Mark? Yes, I would be. I would be. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so, um, so I sued Chrysalis and, um, I won and it was like the first Millie Vanilli. Yeah. That was really the first really Millie Vanilli situation on uh, MTV. Yeah, that's good point. Definitely. And what about Dana Strum? Did you have a okay relationship with him or, or, or not? I, um, I really, I don't, I really don't care for him. No, I don't, I don't, I don't like what he, uh, I don't like his moral compass, let's say that. Okay. Okay. But Bobby Rock, obviously, is back in the fold, and he's going to be on your new record, which I think is just incredible. Yeah, he's, he's an incredible person. I've known him for years, and like when he would come by my house he would if you ever near my house he would come by and we'd chat and it was always great to see him and i saw him this summer last summer you know playing with Luca. cool so we we hadn't seen each other in a long time and we got some good photos with our cells together and you know it was good times excellent and you know there's there's just so much history to still talk about here. I mean, you, you went on and had many other releases and songs and records that came out through the years, but I want to jump forward a little bit just in the matter of time, being that we're already at 45 minutes here, and, and talk about the sky and uh, some of your more recent stuff that you've been working on. Can you tell us a little history behind the sky, who's involved, how it all came about? Okay. Um well, after I received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, um, Journey was going to um, do a show at the House of Blues on Sunset Strip uh, in California, in L.A. And um, uh, so I, I, I went to uh, the sound check with them, you know, hanging out with them. And um, they asked me if I'd be interested in coming up and doing Wheel in the Sky. So... Um, 
I said, yeah. And, uh, I hadn't, you know, I hadn't been on stage in a long time. And, um, you know, later on that night, I, I got up on stage and I sang Wheel in the Sky and I just realized how much I had missed, uh, being on stage and, you know, seeing all the people and just having that, you know, music blasting behind you and my voice coming out of there. And, um, I just had, I just wanted to do it again. So, um, a friend of mine, uh, Andre LaBelle, who played um, on some of Vinnie Vincent's uh, projects, um, he lived in um, Richmond, Virginia. He had called me up and wanted to congratulate me, and I told him that I was, you know, thinking about putting a band together. And he said, "Look, if you're going to put a band together, I want to play drums. You know, I want to play, and I know some great people, and uh, out here in Richmond, Virginia." And if you're interested, come on out. And so um, I thought about it, and I flew out to um, Richmond and uh, stayed there for about a week and played with a lot of different people. And I just uh, fell in love with this group of um, people that I had assembled and um, decided to move. So I moved to um, Richmond from L.A. and uh, assembled this band and, you know, got like a a loft and, um, rehearsed, wrote, um, the first album there and recorded it. And, um, then eventually, uh, we did some shows around Richmond. Uh, we did a vid, we, we, I don't know if we did some videos, but some videos. Right. Um, and then we, and then I, we were supposed to go on the road, but the tour got canceled because the, the um, the promoter <clears throat> or the booking agent had the cancer, got leukemia or whatever. Oh boy! And so he was he was a one man operation, so we had nobody to fall back on, and so that that kind of like fell through. And so I decided, well, I'm going to write another album. So we wrote another album, and then um, it came out uh, last year. Uh, well, be two years ago, I guess. Um, in November or March, uh, Majestic, which is available on um, theskyofficial.com. You can get CDs there. The first one sold out. I uh, haven't made any uh, new uh, pressings of that yet, but going to. Okay. Um, but Majestic's there. You can hear um, some of this music on the uh, website, which is theskyofficial.com. And... Um, that album is uh, I really love. Um, there's a a um, video called One Day, which is on uh, YouTube, right? And um, and there's uh, another one called um, Boomerang. Boomerang, yeah, which I saw. Which Good is stuff, from the yeah. first album, which is from the first Sky album, I believe. No, I, no, that's on Majestic. Anyway, um, yeah. um, Andre LaBelle plays drums on it, and I have. Um, uh, Brady Cole, playing, who plays uh, lead guitar, and uh, Ryan Lake, who plays uh, rhythm and um, bass player-wise. We had um, a guy named John Sullivan and um, Steve Barber was cool. playing on the original stuff. And um, I'm going to come back and do another album with him after I do this solo album with... Um, with all these great players that I mentioned earlier. Okay, cool. Because that was my next mm -hmm. question: is Is there a future for the sky? Being that you're doing a solo record, it oh, sounds yeah, like yeah, absolutely. There is. Okay, good. yeah, absolutely. I will do another record with them and and uh, hopefully do some shows. I think 
um, talking about possibly going to um, Europe, uh, Germany, and do some shows and and, uh, and branch out from there. Excellent, excellent, cool. Yeah. All right, guys, stay tuned because we're going to actually hear a little music by the sky coming up in, in just a few minutes. But I just kind of wanted to uh, wrap things up with you, Robert, and just tell you it's been such a great honor. And I really think you have so many stories uh, that involve so many rock stars and, and big names. And, and just your story on its own is just an incredible tale. You should consider writing a book. Is that something you'd ever consider doing? <laughs> You know, people say that, but I, I'm always afraid that nobody's going to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you have, I would, I would buy it. You have at least one person here who would buy it. Yeah. I, I, I think there would be a lot more. I appreciate it. I, I, it's hard enough getting people to buy your CDs, let alone a book. Right. You know? Right. Right on. I kind of look at it that way because I don't know, man. That's just the way the industry is and the way that people are. It's just it's. It's sad, you know. Yeah, yeah, it definitely they, is. They just get it. They go see your album. They go, "Oh, I like that one song." Boom, you know, because it hits them automatically. But you know, how many albums have you have you ever listened to that just grow on you and just like, oh God, you know, you can't, you know, that one song. Yeah, I did like, but man, now it makes sense with that one song. I really like and the other ones. You know, it makes a great picture, piece of art. You know, it's like picking out one color. Yeah. Yeah, I hear you, definitely. Okay, Robert, well, it's been so great talking with you. And what, what song can we Yeah, what song can we play for the Talking Metal listeners by the sky to take us out here tonight? Oh, boy. How about, uh, well, I don't know. What kind of mood do you guys in? <laughs> well, you know, most of our listeners are, are hard rockers who like kind of the, the old school, you know, 80s hard rock sound. So uh, that's, that's usually the mood uh, we're in. Maybe uh, why don't you just pick what you what you think? I, I, I'm not a, I'm not a good gauge on that. Well, I tell you, I, I heard this this one on YouTube, and I think it's just a great song. The the song Boomerang. So maybe we'll go okay, out with that. Yeah. With that then. yeah, let's do that. So this is Boomerang by the Sky, and you are listening to Talking Metal.
What you just heard was a little Robert Fleischman and his band, The Sky, here on Talking Metal. It was great talking with Robert. I know, you, again, Mitch, you talked with him back in, uh, what was that, 2000? 2015. 15. Earlier, uh, okay. yeah, uh, I was going to say earlier this year, but we've actually flipped the calendar. So, no, about six months ago, uh, we had a nice chat with him. I, that, that episode also features a, a nice conversation with Rob Halford of uh, Judas Priest. And so, no, uh, I, I love Robert. He, he was just very forthcoming, great storyteller. And, uh, yeah, good. it was good to have him on Talking Metal as well. So, Mitch, let's talk about the song Back on the Streets, which was a part of that Vinnie Vincent Invasion record. But the, the song has more of a history than just that. First, I used to have this bootlegged cassette of Ace Frehley playing at Lemoore's in Brooklyn, I believe it was. Or, yeah, Brooklyn, right? Yeah, and... He, at that show, this was like a 1985 bootleg, maybe 84, I'm not sure. But at that show, he played Back on the Streets, which is kind of interesting because it's a song that would go on to end up on, uh, again, the Vinnie Vincent Invasion record. But we've also heard, and I know Kiss mentions this in one of their official books, that there is a Kiss version of the song with Paul Stanley singing lead vocals on it. And do you think that's where Ace first discovered the song? Yeah, listen, Vinny, Vinny brought the song in for the uh, Creatures of the Night sessions back in 81 or 82, and they had demoed it and ended up not using it, which is a shame because I've heard the Paul Stanley version. You can go over to YouTube and just type in Back on the Streets, Paul Stanley, or Kiss, and it pops up. Oh, I didn't up. know it was up on YouTube. Oh, oh that's something, yeah. yeah, it is, and it sounds it sounds great. And, this, you know, it's a great, great song. And that, that's the thing about Vinny. You can't deny that he's a great songwriter. I will argue that his guitar playing is not tasteful and doesn't play for the song, but that's, that's, that's a part. He writes great songs. Uh, back on the street, Ace was going to uh, cover it or was going to record it for one of his albums. Never happened, but as you mentioned, he played it live. John Norum from Europe on one of his solos albums uh, covered it. Um, who else covered it? Uh, well, Vinny, of course, made a cover. So it's it's been around. It's a it's a great song, and I had it covered for this uh, Kiss tribute, "A World with Heroes," that I did back in 2013, yes. and it was a great version. Now, the the 2013 version features Richie Scarlett of Ace's band currently doing the vocal. Uh, John Regan plays bass on it. Todd Howarth adds some guitar and does some some backing vocals on it, and I think you've got Sandy Slavin on drums. So it's a it's just a great great version, and, and you can go find it at iTunes. It's part of the A World with Heroes Deluxe Edition, just for iTunes. And uh, hey, I I hope you enjoy hearing it on the show here, and I hope uh, you'll you'll run out and uh, get a copy of it because it's 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 a yeah, you can buy it on iTunes, and again, the, all the all the proceeds go to just a, a great cause. Tell us, tell us the, where where the money goes again. Well, the money goes over to a palliative care home in Vaudreuil, Dorion, Quebec, Canada. Uh, my wife's father passed away there in 2013, and thus was the genesis of this tribute album. 
it was to have these monies come in. And, uh, you know, my wife wanted to make like a $100 donation. It's just like, well, that's not enough. I mean, they took care of your dad for four months. Let's let's up the ante. And so far, we've raised $35,000 in two years. So uh, those iTunes contributions still dribble in and they still help. And we're still able to send off $500 here, $1,000 there. So uh, if you, if you want to check it out. World with Heroes on yeah. iTunes. Let's let's give it a listen right now.
you just heard was Back on the Streets off the World with Heroes CD. Go buy it on iTunes or, or where can you get the CD? The CD is still available, right, Mitch? No, well, I've got I literally have six copies of the CD, and in fact, they're right behind me. I can I could reach one. Uh, we only printed up a thousand, and the deal was was once they're done, they're done. This wasn't going to be some kind of business venture. This was really for the uh, charity. Uh, so we've left it up uh, in memoriam on iTunes that you can download at any time. But the physical copies, I've got six left. If anybody's interested, I'll be more than happy to sell them to you. You can send an email to Mark, and he'll send it over to me. Uh, but uh, that's it. Once they're done, they're done. And, um, yeah, we even had to put a couple in the uh, safety deposit box because uh, should anything happen to the house, a flood, a fire or something, there's yeah, no other copies, to. right? So right. that's it. That's all, folks. Right. Cool. Well, right now let's get into a song called Shoot You Full of Love. This is off of the Vinnie Vincent Invasion record, so we will check it out now. Written by Vinnie Vincent and Dana Strum on bass on this one, Bobby Rock on the drums, and Robert Fleischman on vocals. Here on Talking Metal, Shoot You Full of Love, 30 years old, from 1986 by the Vinnie Vincent Invasion.
What you just heard was Shoot You Full of Love by the Vinnie Vincent Invasion here on Talking Metal. And Mitch, to, to wrap things up today, I want to play a song that doesn't feature uh, Robert Fleischman on vocals, but he is a songwriter on it. And this is a journey song called Anytime. And a lot of people know that he wrote, co-wrote a Wheel in the Sky, right. but a lot of people might not know that he is also a songwriter on this, uh, this song called Anytime. Yep. And this is from the Infinity record, which was a really important record for Journey because it's, it's, one of the, it's one of the records, in my opinion, that made Journey a household name, made them mainstream. And you cannot deny Robert's involvement with this record. You know, it had the song Lights on it, which was a Steve Perry, Neil Sean co-write, uh, one of the first songs that, that they wrote with, with Steve when he joined the band. But you also had a lot of these songs that were basically leftovers from the time they were working with Robert right before Steve Perry joined. And Wheel in the Sky was one of them, one of the biggest Journey songs ever. And Robert uh, has a co-write on that. And he also has a co-write on this song. This song, uh, again, it's called Anytime. It's off the Infinity record going way back to 1978. And that'll wrap things up for today's episode of Talking Metal. Mitch, thanks so much for joining us. We encourage all the Talking Metal listeners to check out your podcast, One on One with Mitch LaFon, which is available to everyone right on TalkingMetal.com, as well as all your other regular uh, podcasting outlets. Where where are you on Twitter? You want to yeah, have people connect with you there. Absolutely, I love I love folks out on Twitter uh, at Mitch Lafon M I T C H L A F O N at Mitch Lafon on Twitter and uh, yeah, you know, please come over, check out the show, see see if there's anything you like. Uh, coming up uh, soon, we've got Vivian Campbell of Def Leppard uh, talking to us. I think that'll be a good one. Oh yeah, can't wait to hear what he has to say about the Def Leppard cruise. It sounds like. Obviously, the tragedy with with uh, Jimmy with Bain. Jimmy Bain, yeah. But it sounds like there were a lot of other issues too. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and none none that can be accountable that that the band can be accountable for. I mean, the fact that there's torrential rain, it, it, hey, bad luck, right? It, it's, yeah, yeah. I did hear they were selling tickets to. It was a. It just wasn't Def Leppard fans. You know, there were there were other people on the boat too. Yeah, uh, well, that's the one see. thing about all those cruises, those rock and roll cruises, is. If the boat sells out at 100%, then you got 100% fans. But a lot of times, whether it's Kiss or Def Leppard or Monsters, it sells at 60%, 70%. And, of course, the boats don't leave empty or half full, so they sell them to a secondary market. So you got a lot of vacationers that are trying to get a cheap cruise for half the price. And so, yeah, you, you share the space with grandma, grandpa, or some guy who's never heard of the bands, and they just wanted a cheap cruise. But that's, that's just the way the biz goes, right? Right. Well, well. Anyways, we're going to wrap things up right now. This is Anytime by Journey. Big thanks to Mitch for uh, hanging with us today, and also to, uh, to Robert for speaking with us. And uh, check Mitch and I out also on Metal Raps. It's a, it's a podcast we do with, with Mitch Joel, and it's a lot of fun. So here we go. Anytime by Journey. Ooh, anytime that you want me. Ooh, anytime that you need me.
find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.